Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Okay, so we're going to try this technology thing again. As you can see, I've got this mic here, I've got this mic here, I've got a mic here as a standby, standby mic, because this one's not working. This one stopped working earlier in the service last time, and so we grabbed this one. But it doesn't matter. Now, I really appreciated Katie back there because I talked with her, and she gave me some tips. She said, uh, just be sure you don't move over this way too far there and in there. There's kind of a dead spot in there. And Katie, if you remember what I told you, don't worry. I think the, the podium tends to float a lot during the service. I've noticed this, and so it's my job to hold it down. So I'll have one hand here and one hand here during most of the service. At any rate, I'll have one hand on this podium the whole time. So I think we don't have to worry about that too much. Well, first off, I just want to tell you, let me get my glasses on here, because most of this I've written down. Um, First off, I am not Pastor Chris Everson. Uh, If you came to hear him today, he's not here. I'm Dean Gilkinson, and I'm one of the members of this church. I'm one of you. Uh, A few weeks ago, Pastor Chris asked me if I would bring the message for today's service. And here's how I remember the conversation. He said, I'm planning on on a vacation in a couple weeks, and I will be out on the 29th. And I was looking for a dynamic, energetic, and intelligent person to bring the message to the congregation. But since those four people turned me down, I was hoping you might be able to do it. So I, I, I thanked him for allowing me to be fifth. At least I wasn't tenth, I guess, uh, in the list. Uh, I want to know who the other four people were because I personally want to thank them for that. So um, anyway, uh, I, I also think that today is probably going to be considered the Pastor Appreciation Day for 2018 for Pastor Chris. And, and I say that because as much as you like Pastor Chris... After you finish hearing me speak, you're going to love Pastor Chris, okay? I can just tell you that. And you're going to want to make sure you hug him the next time you see him and thank him for coming back. So we do hope, we do hope, number one, that he feels the love, but we also want to make sure that he gets some rest, relaxation. We work him hard here. He works hard to begin with, and we help him work hard here. So um, I, I hope that he's getting some rest, he and Tracy both. I want to say also that I'm glad to be here. Much as I joked about it, I am glad to be here today. I hope you're glad to be here today as well. I hope you started your day out that way. Will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So you saw the title that got selected, Why Water? with a question mark. Um, Well, I selected this title because it came to me almost immediately after Pastor Chris asked me to speak. I mean, it came that very same day. It probably came within two hours. I needed to talk about water. And I was relieved. Water's easy. Water in the Bible is easy. You know why? Because the Bible, in the Bible, depending upon the translation you look at, it's mentioned about 722 times between the Old and the New Testament. Water's easy. All kinds of things. 
it's a, you know, I can, surely I can find a message in water to speak about. And then it was put on my heart to talk about the wedding in Cana. Now, I was in a Sunday school class, our Sunday school class at the time, and it hit me during that, during that, that message when we were talking about that. I said, that's, that's what you need to, to talk about. Uh, and that's when my stress level increased, uh, drastically, by the way. Um, it's his first miracle. I'm not nervous about that. But I had a lot of questions. And maybe you'll have some of these questions. Maybe you've had these, some of these same questions as you read through the Scripture today that we're going to read. I had a lot of questions about this. And so my title, Why Water? with a question mark is, well, that's really the question I was asking God. Because at first I thought it was a great thing, and now it's like, why water? Why do I need to talk about water? So I think the wedding part, I've got some experience in that. Um, three daughters, three weddings. I helped plan uh, a little. My wife is here. She'll shake her head no, that I didn't help. But I did help pay a lot, okay? I did help with the pay for three weddings. All were wonderful, joyous, and expensive. Uh, yeah, in that way, I guess it's not much different than it was in Jesus' day. Well, except the good ones lasted seven days in Jesus' day. Seven days. So as the host for a huge seven-day wedding celebration, what do you want to make sure you have plenty of for your invited guests? Now, it was interesting during the 930 service, and, and I apologize if I don't know here, but in a 930 service, Frank and Sally Treddy are planning a wedding right now for their daughter, Sayer. And so I figured it was appropriate to ask him, what now his first response was the most important thing you need to have at a wedding besides the bride is the groom and so i thought that was good coming from the father of the bride that yep need to make sure the groom's there but right after that he said food and drink those are the things those are the important key things you need to have at the wedding well we had our first wedding under our belt and so we were seasoned wedding parents when our daughter Kelly announced her engagement and then her wedding date, no problems with that. But now, Kelly never did things the easy way. And she always added a little twist to what she did. And in this case, she wanted her wedding in the Tyler Rose Garden. Um, in a city 80 miles away from where we lived, where we knew absolutely no one. Well, the big day went off pretty well, actually. All the planning. Remember, I was a big small part of that but the planning went well everything well except for the wind because yeah, it was outside and then the rain was outside then later on the snow but that's a whole other story so that that's that's for another day so right after the wedding we had the reception the same place so it was it was great lots of festivities and food until about half the guests were served and someone came to us and said those words of horror hey we're out of food Yikes. How can that be? You know, who planned this? You know, hungry guests who had traveled 90 minutes to get there. Hungry guests who had brought nice gifts. And I was going to thank them by sending them to McDonald's on their way home. How could we have planned so poorly? Notice I said we. Because it was a we thing with the planning, right? So. <laughs> but then someone looked on the lower shelf of the serving table and there was the rest of the food in covered serving pans and ready to go. Yeah, just as the caterer had told me earlier that day when they set it up. Yeah, Oops, that was my bad. Uh, but anyway, on with the party. We, we enjoyed it after that. So 
Yeah, that was a little wrinkle in our wedding. So, I'd like for us to take a look at the, today's scripture. Um, and it comes from the book of John, the second chapter, uh, verses 1 through 11. I'll be reading, and I believe the words on the screen are from the NIV version. So on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, and each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Then Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have drank too much. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Let's see here. Did I? Yeah, there we go. So I'll just start off by saying that this passage is filled like those stone jars, you know, the 180 gallons, with symbolism, and I'm not going to hit them all, because we would be here as long as that wedding celebration lasted, I think. This passage starts off by saying that Jesus, his mother, and some of his disciples were attending a wedding in Cana, probably about nine miles from Nazareth. And in those days, the man and woman didn't just get married. In devout Jewish households, the families were actually joined together. When you got married, that man and that woman's family, they became one family again. So you now had a whole other family involved. So it's a big deal where probably everyone in town with status was probably invited. And to say no might bring shame upon you for a long time. In a small town, that could be really a tough thing. So there was a lot of pomp, pomp and circumstance with this. Well, we aren't sure why Mary is there. We can guess that she was a friend of one of the families. And Jesus could have been invited because he was liked and respected in this part of the country. And of course, if Jesus was invited, he would also bring along his disciples. The celebration was going on for some time when Jesus' mother notices the wine is gone. So she goes to Jesus, and like any good son, he says, I'm on it, Mom. Now, if you notice what it says, if we could bring the Scripture back up again, in verse 4, look at verse 4. Not only does he address her with the term woman, he tells her it's not yet his time. And by the way, I, I'm assured by writings of several Bible scholars that this phrase was not said in a derogatory manner, but the word woman definitely wasn't the loving term mother that we might expect and it also doesn't say that Mary was upset. Most scholars tend to agree that his reply was chosen to show a separation of his earthly standing as Mary's son from that of his ministry as the Son of God. And then Mary says to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Then she fades from the scene. So she must have known Jesus would take care of the problem. Now, did you like that? The fact he said, Mom, I can't, I'm not going to do this. She didn't even, she just turned to the servants and said, 
do whatever he says. And she walked off. Now, since I mentioned that I was inspired by a recent Sunday school lesson, I thought I would see if we can get some congregational, congregational, excuse me, had trouble with that word, participation going on. Now, yeah, I know this is, this is not little kids school because we do this in our adult class too, but we're going to add a little twist to it. Christina's going to help me with that. And so Christina's got a, a prize for you. Okay, I'm going to ask you, I, I want some feedback from you on some of these questions. Some, some of the questions that I have, I'd, I'd like your answers on them. And so the, the first person or so that answers that question, you get a piece of candy. Come on, that's a great deal. Why is everybody kind of shaking? I see a couple heads, yeah, bring it on. Okay, are you ready? Okay. So let's look at verse 6 and 7. We've got 6 there. Can you scroll that or is it? Okay, so we're going to have to flip between those, but that's okay. I'll read it for you. Nearby stood six stone jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Now this is a devout Jewish family that practiced the ritual of ceremonial cleansing or washing. Everyone would be expected to participate in this washing before religious ceremonies and meals, where they would pour some water from that stone jar on their hands as a sign of being clean for the meal. That's why the stone jars were so big. Imagine how much effort it would take to have the, for the servants to fill those jars. Now, I'm not talking about dragging the jars down to the, over to the well, but I'm, I'm still talking. They're stone jars. They're heavy. They're still going to have to go grab smaller jars, smaller containers, go fetch the water, bring it back, and pour it into these containers to ensure that they were full. Because Jesus said to fill all of the containers. So back and forth to the well of the stream, they went with smaller version you know, of the container to, to fill those up. So here's the question for you. Are you ready? You ready? What do you think the servants were thinking as they filled the water jars? What do you think? Somebody? If you were one of those servants, what would you have been thinking? Heavy. heavy. It's pretty heavy. A lot of work. You like that one? I like that one. Christina, jump on up there. Give that man a candy. You've got the bag there, right? Did they take the bag from you? Okay. So, I had a couple. Anybody else? Anybody else? Any, any other ideas? Anything else that you might think about? Do we have something over here? They probably thought he was crazy. Is this guy crazy? Okay, there's another one right there. Excellent. Christina, we're, we need to make sure we got Christina hopping around a bunch through this whole thing. Okay? How many times will I do this? Who said that? Excellent. All the way back here. You're young. You can do this. I didn't pick your dad to do this. Come on, you're young. I had a couple more. How is this going to help the wine situation? This is what? This is water. The other one I thought of, because I'm me, I guess, and I was sat there, the first thing I would have said was, who is this guy <laughs> telling me to do this? And I, and I hope he knows what he's doing. Okay, let's look down to verse 8. Verse 8 says, Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. Well, the master of the banquet was our version of the wedding planner, kind of, and he would have been hired by the bridegroom. The bridegroom. Remember that other most important person at a wedding. Um, in most days, the bridegroom was responsible for ensuring the food and drink was provided for the wedding guests. So that's a big deal. That was kind of his showing 
that he can manage things, that he has what it takes to be a provider. So what do you think the servants were thinking now when they were told to take that water, take some of that water to the master of the banquet? What do you think the servants were thinking? What's he going to do with it? Who said that? Excellent. What's he going to do with it? What, what, anything else? It isn't my fault. I like that. <laughs> what does that imply? It isn't my fault. Well, I had it written down. I, I jotted one down here. It isn't my fault. This is not wine. It's water. Okay. Anybody else? Anything else? Kind of what you said, Jennifer. The, the master of the banquet is not going to be pleased, right? Not going to be pleased. Um, now, this was mine again. I, I just have to tell you, because this is the way Dean thinks in his warped way of it. Anybody else before I say this? Because I know you'll... Yeah, anyway, I think Jesus should be the first one to take that up there, that sample up there, to the master of the banquet. He's the one that said to do this. It's water. He needs to be the one to take it up there. That's just the way I think. So I think the real key point is that they did what he told them to do. They did it. He told them to take that water to the master of the banquet, and they did it. Without hesitation, and regardless of what they believed was in those water jars. Could we be more like this when we're given direction from God? I know I could. I know I should. I often try to rationalize the situation and make it fit for what I want to do instead of being more like that servant. Do it. So let's look at verses 9 through 11. Not quite yet. you got a couple more. <laughs> nice try, though. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So I got a question for you. I got a little bit more reading, I guess. In the text, it gives no indication that the guests or the bridegroom or the master of the banquet knew of the dilemma of the wine. Had no idea. So who actually witnessed the water being turned into wine? The servants? Anybody else? The disciples. Okay, we got one. Yeah, we got it spread out here for Christina. Excellent. Hold your hand up here so she can get you your candy. Excellent. So, um, anybody else? Disciples? Servants? Anybody else knew the water had turned into wine? Mary? It doesn't really say in here that Mary knew. She knew it was going to be done, though, didn't she? She gets one because she answered the question. Didn't say you had to answer it as the book says it's right. You just had to answer. I have one more down here. Anybody else think of somebody else that knew? God, Jesus knew. Thank you. Jesus knew. So Jesus saves the day. All at the wedding party are blessed and continue the festivities. They didn't even know there was a problem. 
And most of the people there knew nothing about the miracle. And I think this is the significant part of the story. Jesus is starting out on his ministry, and from the very start, he reveals his power to those who were considered lower-class citizens. The servants, the disciples. But he doesn't make a big show of his miracle. Just like God is with us, is with us every day. That's just like God is. If you don't think so, if you don't think that's what it is, did you just take a breath? Did your heart just beat? So remember where that comes from. Okay, my last group question. Christina, this is it. It's a question for the group. It's the last one. Why did Jesus make so much wine, and why was it so much better than the previous wine? What was that? Because it was made by Jesus. Okay. Do you like that answer? I like that answer. Anybody else? If you're going to do something, do it right. I like that answer too. Anything else? What's that? So they would not forget him. Okay, excellent, excellent. I love this too. We've got it going from both sides. <laughs> and you thought you were just going to sit here, Christina, today. Come on. Well, it's true. All those things are very true. Very appropriate. He needed to show the expansiveness of the glory of God. If you're going to do it, you do it right. So he wouldn't be forgotten. And because he was God. From impure washing water to a fine, pleasing, exquisite wine. And not just enough. Remember those water, water containers? More than enough. Not just enough, but more than enough. And that's how God works. Not just live our lives to demonstrate to others just what God can do. Good enough is not good enough. Being good enough is not good enough. We need to strive for the best so others know who we belong to. Amen? We need to strive for the best so others know who we belong to. Now, you're probably going to appreciate me because, and it's not even Cowboy Sunday where you get out early. But I'm not done yet. I'm just saying that I'm about to wrap up. But this is what I want you to leave here knowing. I want you to know this when you walk out these doors today. Because just like the wedding in this lesson, God attends the events to which He's invited. He loves a celebration party, but He'll be there in the dark times as well. And look what happened when He was invited. Jesus' first miracle shows us what the rest of his ministry is going to be like. When Jesus turned that water into wine, he took very ordinary objects of the water and the jars. At that very ordinary event, a wedding, and he made them extraordinary, extraordinary. And that's what God does for all of us. Now, we won't always see incredible miracles in our lifetime, and you may not know someone who is healed, but God is still at work. He is at work in the ordinary things in your life. And when we choose to live our lives for Him, we will see His hand in our lives wherever we look. You have to make the choice. You can't just hope the blessings of God will come no matter what you do. You have to live 
for God. And when you do make that choice, He will work a miracle in you. Amen.